And Gardening Talkback, joining me, Jane Klein, Scott Sharp, and welcome to you. And hello, Jane. How are you? I'm fine. You've been down to Melbourne. You've been to a trade day. Yeah, we had a great time down there, brought back some beautiful plants. So today I'm going to talk about everyone's favourite grandma plant, the hydrangea. Uh, we're going to talk about some Venus flytraps. I brought one here into the studio with us. It's intriguing. And Jane, I've shrunk the garden. We're going to talk about bonsai as well. That's all happening. And of course, we're very happy to take your calls here on Gardening Talk Back. Give us a call, 49216216. And what a good song to start off our Gardening Talk Back program on 2NURFM. Just Sunny from Bobby Hebb. It's 16 past 12. And Scott Sharp, very happy to take your calls on your garden if it's not behaving properly. Give us a call on 49216216. And that's just what Carol has done from Blue Haven. Carol, you've got a question for Scott. Hello, Carol. Hello, Scott. How are you? Good, thank you. Look, I can't tell the difference between an elk and a stag, but whatever I've got, it's getting all black spots and stuff on the fronds. So uh, you haven't got the four-legged animal then in your back garden. Obviously, you've got the plant. I've got the plant. You're good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, the thing to do uh, with your elk horn, so it's just getting black spots all over it, is it? Yes. Yeah. That can be a virus, I believe, with those. Uh or it could be a fungal disease. That's that's a, a funny one to try and deal with. Have you got any fungicides at home as your first port of call? No, I haven't. That's, I thought I'll call you and see what I should get for them because they're not looking too good. They were actually looking magnificent for a while. Yeah. No, they're not so good. <laughs> so, look, I, I think the best thing for you to do is, is duck down to your local garden centre and grab a product called Mancozeb Plus, which is a fungicide. Okay, look, it's a good thing to have in, in the, uh, you know, in the sort of the tool shed anyway of, of, for your garden. Um, yeah. you know, having a fungicide and having some sort of general uh, all-purpose insecticide is a great thing to do. And I would then just go and use that. But on an elk uh, or a stag, you use it at uh, its weakest strength that you can um, because they're very, very sensitive plants. So just go out and mix it up, find out, have a look on there on the back of the packet. You'll find out that there's a recommendation for you know, some strong um, strength mix-ups, and there's one probably usually up the top that's for a weak strength. So mix that up and then just spray it all over the plant, and uh, hopefully it'll, it won't actually fix up the bits that have been affected, but it will protect any new growth that's coming out. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So Mancozeb Plus. That's correct. Can I use that on orchids? Because they've got a bit of a black spot too. Yes, you can. That, now, that can be a virus on orchids, so it, uh, you just better be careful about that. Um, but anyway, give, give the, uh, the fungicide a try and see what happens. All right, thank you. I have one more quick question. Yes, yes. I've mixed up a batch of uh, good stuff for orchids. Can I put any cow manure or other stuff in there to give it a boost? Like you... orchid compost type stuff I've got. I've mixed it up. So you're going to be potting into that? or you're... Yes, I am. I'm going to be dividing and potting, repotting. If you go, you look, you could. I definitely don't put fresh cow manure in. You have to let it compost for a week or so at least just to take that heat out of it, but even longer, uh, yeah. and then mix that well through. I wouldn't go overboard on using a, a very raw fertiliser like that in a pot. I'd only put a very small amount. Yeah, well, it's pretty old. Um, it's It's been bought from the nursery, right, obviously. Okay. So, but it's, it's pretty old. I've had it for a long time. Okay, so so use that, but use it sparingly. Don't sparingly. go overboard with it, yeah. 
Alrighty, thank you very much thank for you. your help. That's all right. Thanks, Carol. And you can get your question through to Carol uh, by giving us a call, 49216216. Scott, um, this little plant that's sitting in between us. I know, here. It looks particularly Watching, lethal. watching. We'll, we'll do something very <laughs> exciting. I've got my pencil. I've got my pencil. He's inside the leaf and he's going to... Come on, come on, come on. Oh, there we go. It's caught the pencil. What I actually have in front of us here is a Venus flytrap. And it worked. It, did. it they, really did. It, it went snap. It's magic, isn't it? And it's, it's actually quite trap. powerful. So, look, Venus flytraps are, are an amazing little plant, um, but there are some, uh, you know, sort of uh, rules to when uh, that we might talk about a little bit later on in the show about what or what not to do with them. But I was going to give some of these away to our callers today. Sergio Mendes and Brazil 66, 2NURFM, night and day on 2NURFM's Gardening Talkback, 26 past 12, 49216216 to get your question through to our expert Scott Sharp today. And Scott, uh, night and day, somebody told me once it was always a good idea to pull... Uh, dandelions out of your lawn by moonlight and they wouldn't come back. Do you think that's true? You won't get a sunburn on the back of your head if you, on the back of your neck if you do it that way. That must be the, uh, the reason. <laughs> okay. There's some common sense in there somewhere. <laughs> we are taking your calls and here is Kay from Whitebridge. Hello Kay, how can we help you? Hi Scott, I've just purchased a half dead hydrangea and I just <laughs> wondered if I, should I just cut the flowers off it and put it in um, sea sol or should I give it a bit of a, more of a prune? Uh, look, it's probably how, how big's the plant first, Kay? Is it a it large? It was only in a six-inch pot, so it's not huge. Oh, the poor, the poor little thing. Why did you put, purchase it half dead? Because they gave it to me for five dollars, <laughs> and it's a really fancy one. And I don't care if I don't get flowers this year. Next year will be fine. Well, look, at least it's gone to a good home. You're ringing yeah. up to find out what to do with it, so it must be a happy plant just for that. Oh, good, it yeah. can go with all its friends. I've got heaps. <laughs> so, look, the thing with um, the thing with hydrangeas. Uh, they love a, 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 a fertiliser that's rich in potassium uh, in potash so that it promotes the flowering with them. So the sea salt you just mentioned, it's really just a sort of a good, you know, tonic, for, really just for the root system of the plant. So yeah, I just thought it might help it along because it was all droopy. Yeah, look, not going, not going to hurt it at all, but uh, they're a very vascular plant. Hydrangeas, you know, have sort of green, and if they dry out, they're, they're very quick to sort of wilt down. So, look, just plenty of water with it at the moment. Uh, yep. You can give it the seesaw if you wish, but then I'd uh, go to a, a more all-purpose fertiliser to... Uh, to go to uh, try and promote the growth of the plant and the flowering. Now, do you know much about hydrangeas? Well, I've got a lot, but they kind of grow themselves. They do. They're, they're a bit of an old grandma's plant, aren't they? But they mm. work so well, and they're a really tough plant. They they actually originated in China, and uh, there's there's so many different species of hydrangeas. About 35 of them, but the the one that we have in the garden is uh, hydrangea macrophylla. There's a nice botanical name for everyone, but mm. they they all love shady positions. Now that said, I've seen them up in Bar Beach out in the full sun. They never yep. look fantastic. They always look a bit tatty, but they still keep on growing. So if you can get them out of the afternoon sun, perfect place for them. Well, uh, I, some of mine I've got that would normally get afternoon sun, but I hid them behind my grevilleas. <laughs> so that's probably a good spot for them. They're in some dappled sunlight. They're yeah, going to be much happier in there. And the others are on the south side amongst the camellias, so they're fine. Yeah, that's, that's great. Now, look, the other interesting thing about hydrangeas is you can get them to change the colour of their flowers. 
knew that. Yeah, so if you've got blue ones, uh, you give uh, you can change them to pink by using some lime and turning it alkaline. Or if you've got pink flowered ones, you can use uh, some uh, you know some cow manure or some, a little bit of sulphur if you want to, and you can actually turn them back to blue. But if you go into your nurseries, usually there's a, a hydrangea bluer and a hydrangea pinker that you can buy, which will do it for you. Now the thing is, whites always stay the same, yeah, and oh, reds they look great at Christmas in with everything else. Yeah, and reds stay the same as well. So if you buy those yeah. two, you're never going to be able to change I've got the colours. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and pruning, um, yeah, if you, yeah, prune them in winter when they've dropped all their leaves. They're a deciduous plant and yep. always prune back down to the double bud. That's why. That's how you get yep. a flower off them next time. The all-purpose food, what sort of thing? I'm, I usually use dynamic lifter and stuff like that. And other than that, I use either na- on my other plants, native plant food and that sort yeah. of that type. So what, sort, what would be an all-round? I'm not. Very okay with that. That's all right. There's a liquid fertilizer called Flourish, which is very good for all flowering and fruiting plants. So it's got okay. plenty of potash in there. It's a great all rounder. It's a liquid one, so it's safe to use. I'd give that one a try. Okay. okay. Thank you, Kay. Thank you. Thanks, Bye-bye. Kay. And Andrew joins us now from Curry Curry. How can we help you, Andrew? Hi, Scott. How are you? I'm pretty well, mate. Yeah, I messed up. I um, mm. <laughs> sprayed weed and feed on hydrangeas and on um, a banksia tree. They're, they're not weeds. I know you'd like to feed them, but they're not weeds. <laughs> that's not no, a... but, but when I was doing the lawn, it sort of oh. went on all them. Yeah, so look, that's, that's a good cautionary tale for people out there. You've got to be careful about spraying around and drift that you get. Always go and do, uh, you know, spraying like that using uh, herbicides, uh, you know, either at um, dusk when the wind's died down or earlier in the morning. Uh, so always try and do it when there's um, as, as little wind as possible. So how much dieback has there been, Andrew? Um, on the banks here, it's basically all the leaves dried up. Yeah. And um, I'm wondering whether that'll kick back or get another one because it was only about four foot Oh, okay. So it's only a baby. Look, the, the, what I would do with that is often the leaves will die back because these are salt-based uh, chemicals that, that selectively burn, um, you know, the weeds out of the lawn. So it may well have just burnt um, the leaves off the plant. What I would do is grab some secateurs and just start snipping away at the uh, trunk of the tree and see if it's dying back as well. If it's still green, persist, mate. Um, get some, uh, just keep on watering it and see if it comes back. I'd only give it three or four weeks, though. Don't um, don't hang on to it any longer than that. Otherwise, pull it out. And pull it out. New one Start again. Yeah. <laughs> be cruel to be kind. Oh. All right, then. And the other ones just died off. They didn't like that weed and feed. No. Look. Look. So don't ever spray weed and feed anywhere around your garden. Always just try and keep it on the lawn. Try and do it when there's as little uh, wind as possible. Thanks, Andrew. Okay, bye. bye. Thanks, Andrew, and good luck with that. And 49216216 is the number for your call to get through to Scott, your question to be answered. And Vaklas joins us now from Islington. Vaklas, how can we help? Oh, yeah, I have a pitcher plant. Yes. And uh, it's been going great for about two years, very healthy, and uh, had been in a great shady spot in the yard. But uh, recently it threw up a big flower, a very weird-looking flower, and now it appears to be dying off. Is this the end of the plant? Or? <laughs> no, no, it's, it, you're doing very well over there in Islington Buckler with the, uh, the, the pitcher plant. They, they can be quite difficult to grow, and you have to find exactly the right spot in the garden to, in, to uh, grow them. Uh, I have a very good friend, and she grows them all through her house. She's very adept at it, actually, but uh, she's got the perfect house and uh, the perfect conditions. Um, 
So you've got a nice flower coming out of it, have you? Yeah, it flowered, uh, and that was very, very interesting because it uh, was quite unusual flower. Yes. But since then, yeah, all it's basically appears to be dying off, like all the um, pictures are just drooping down and going brown. Look, it, it shouldn't be. Uh, unlike some plants, once they flower, they do actually die off. So you get yep. uh, bamboos and agaves that uh, die off once they flower. The pitcher plant shouldn't do that. Uh, they do become dormant in winter, though, um, and they don't really grow. They can actually recede in size a little bit, but that, that shouldn't be a problem. It may, it may be, mate, that you've just got... Uh, have you fertilised it or anything um, differently that you might have? No, no, just um, pretty much... I've been too scared to move it once it started growing, so I thought, oh, I'll just keep it wet. Yeah, look, that, that's uh, you're still doing the right thing. Uh, try and keep it moist, um, and then let that tray... If you've got it sitting in a tray or... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you let the tray dry out, and then you fill the tray back up again, so... Um, look, I'm, I'm not sure without having a look at that to uh, be able to tell you exactly what's going on with it, but it shouldn't be dying back uh, just because you've had a flower out of it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I've seen them go on longer and longer and longer after they've flowered. Oh, righto. This is Gardening Talkback, and we are taking your questions on 2NURFM. And Scott Sharp, we have... Jonathan coming our way now from Elibana with a question for you. How can we help you, Jonathan? Yeah, g'day, Scott. I'm just ringing up about tomatoes. I've uh, had a bit of success growing cherry tomatoes in pots and stuff like that, but I'm trying to grow aroma in, in the soil and uh, the fruit's just getting to adolescent stage and getting white sort of holes through it. So it's getting uh, white holes through it. So it sounds like it's actually getting eaten by something, like a caterpillar, for instance. Uh, Possibly. They're not going too deep. Um, I'm not sure whether it's... a yeah, whether it's a caterpillar or something like that. Yeah, look, the, the other thing you have to be careful about is fruit fly, of course, with tomatoes. It's not something you've had to worry about with your cherry tomatoes because they don't yeah. uh, really get that. But right. uh, once you get, uh, you know, the, the fruit... It, look, and I've heard it even when people come in and say, my fruit is still hard and green on the plant, but yeah. I'm getting fruit fly sting in there. Usually yeah. it, it's not supposed to attack until you start to get, you know, the plant, the fruit becomes a little bit ruddy, I guess, and starts to turn red for you and have that, has yeah. that change in soft. It's not doing that at all. They never get to the red stage. So it, it could be fruit fly that's in fact stinging it quite early. It's uh, a little fly. You see them around. They flap their wings in a funny sort of way and some stripes on the back uh, and they lay their uh, eggs inside the uh, inside the fruit and then that hatches and you get a little weevil in there and it just wrecks up the fruit inside. So that's probably the outer effect that you're getting. It might be that if you pick some of that old fruit off and get a Stanley knife or a knife and just cut it, you might yeah, find Yeah, you might find in fact that there's some little weevils or something in there. Yeah, and that, it doesn't go very deep and it doesn't seem to be, but yeah. Yep. Uh, okay, look, th that's that's a possibility. Uh, yep. But look, the, the, the great thing is that the, you can use uh, an insecticide like a malathon to yep. try and combat the fruit fly or any other uh, insect that might be doing that damage to the fruit. So uh, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be lacking blood and bone or anything like that? No, usually not when there's damage to the plant like that. Um, yeah. Okay. It's actually something in there doing, you know, Damage. Yeah. having, having okay. a bit of an eat or laying its eggs or yeah, that, that sort right. of thing. So, look, blood and bone, uh, it's a great safe fertiliser to use, but uh, it's not really going to help you at this point in time. Stick to the, right. uh, stick to the sweet bites. They're much easier to grow. <laughs> Good luck, Jonathan. And we're moving over to Toronto now, and Ian joins us. Hello, Ian. Hello. Hello, Ian. Ooh, Maybe we haven't got in. We've lost into the vagaries of <laughs> we Toronto. We have. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Who have we got here? Hello, is that Paul? 
That's me. Oh, Paul, okay. You've got a... He's coming. Fine, you've got a question for you. Yeah, Scott. I want to know who's going to win the cup tomorrow. <laughs> That's a good question. Come on, no, Scott. That, that wasn't the reason for calling. <laughs> Listen, I've got a mango tree. It's probably about five metres high. Yes. And it's um, probably in the last couple of weeks just dropped every leaf off the tree. So it's pretty well bare. Yes. Ten metres away is an identical tree and uh, full of foliage and uh, nice flower heads and I'm going to get a bumper crop. And I did get a bumper crop of both of them last year, but mm. one's flourishing and one's just sitting there. That's highly unusual uh, for oh. that to happen. Uh, look, I could ask, have you been spraying anywhere no. in the area? No. No, okay. I, I, you know, I, I'm a bit like Sherlock Holmes. I try and go through all the most obvious questions yep, until, sure. I, uh, until we try and hit upon what an answer might be. Yep. Uh, have you uh, gone back and nibbled through some of the branches down, down, down to see if there's no. still some green inside there? No, I haven't yet. Okay, so that's always a good thing to, to go and do. Okay. Um, because what you're really doing there is saying, well, you know, how bad is, is this for the tree? Uh, you know, is it going to be worth saving or is the dieback so quick and complete that, you know, there must be a greater problem uh, with, sure. the, with the root system, for instance? Right. Uh, when, when something like that happens, my first port of, port of call... Uh, talking about the weather then, is always to uh, get a little bubbler sprinkler, you know, one of those little metal ones, and put that in the area and get a timer for your tap and just let that bubble out into the area and deep water the roots for about 30 minutes twice a day. Good. And uh, then, uh, you know, you do that for a week or so, a couple of weeks, and then you should see uh, some uh, new growth coming back on the tree. Right. Uh, if that hasn't happened after about three or four weeks, you have to start to worry that the plant's really not going to make it. Yeah. Look, often the, plants the, will just... Ten, ten metres away is an identical plant. I oh, know, and that, that's, that's, the, that's the bit I don't understand at this point yep. in time. But unfortunately, we are dealing with nature and, and weird yep. and wonderful things happen out there. So, look, the root system of that plant may, you know, might, may not be established as much for some reason. And in the, uh, the hot, dry conditions we've had, it's been the first one to uh, dry out. Sure. They don't have to dry out for long. And it's defoliated as its first uh, line of defence, I guess. Yeah. Are they susceptible to a borer? I have had a look, but there's nothing there. Yeah, look, they can be susceptible to borer, but you wouldn't see an instant defoliation like that. You okay. would start to see die back from the top of the tree moving down. Okay. And for borers, you'll see holes, you'll see some sawdust coming out. Uh, but look, it's a nice soft wood mango. I haven't seen borers in them especially, like you said, you see them in conifers you know, yep. left, right and centre. Yeah. Uh, but lo- like I said, for that instant defoliation, I'll be thinking it's more about the moisture and the okay. inclement conditions we've had. Great. Thanks very much for your help. Thank, Thank you, you, Paul. Good Thanks. Luck. That's great. And uh, our next question, 49216216. If you've got a question you'd like to put to Scott, comes from Gwen. I think it's Gwen, isn't it, from Blacksmiths? Yes, it is. Good, Gwen. How Thanks. can we help you, Gwen? Oh, Scott, uh, I'm just inquiring about I have a little white butterfly that's flying around my tomato plants. Um, is that going to sort of um, be harmful to them or, or are they um, good for it? No, look, the, the, the butterfly itself isn't bad, but it's those eggs that they decide they're going to lay. And then the caterpillar comes from that. So that's, the, that's what's going to damage uh, your tomato plants. You see cabbage moth doing the same thing. They're a cute little white sort of butterfly that flies that kid around. That's cute and little. Yeah. It, <laughs> may, it, you do, it makes you think, oh, I don't really want to do anything to harm this thing. But uh, if you want your tomatoes or your cabbage or whatever sort of plant you're growing, look, you unfortunately have to do something about it. Which, which would be the best to spray, Scott? Look, if you don't want to spray, the old-fashioned thing to do was to get some uh, deris dust. They call Deris. It, yeah. 
and, mm-hmm. and dust that on the plant. So when the moth lands, it uh, lays its eggs, uh, you know, the uh, caterpillars uh, are born out of that, mm-hmm. then nothing, they, they just die off with that dust in there. So it's probably a safer and easier thing for to, for to use around the garden rather than spraying around. Yes, yes. That sounds wonderful. So it's yeah, it's old. It's old um, you know, people have been using it for donkey's years. It's called mm-hmm. Deris dust. Yeah, some dust. some places will call it, um, uh, you know, tomato dust. It's got a chemical in there called spinosad, but they all essentially do the same thing. Right, that's wonderful. Appreciate that. Not a problem, now, Gwen. Second question: yeah. I have a lots of lemon tree that yes. um, the leaves don't flourish a lot mm. on the the tree. Heaps of lemons, heaps of flowers, and of course, you know, some flowers do die off um, because it can only hold so many lemons. Yeah. But the leaves always seem to be very scatty uh, and cool. Yeah, it, it might just be that there's not enough nitrogen in the soil. Usually with uh, citrus plants, you want to be going the other way and promoting flowering and fruiting on the plant. You've already got that. Mm. Uh, mm. So I would just be using a, an all-round fertiliser. What are you using at the moment? Um, I just do um, like a power feed. Um, What's it called? <laughs> I can't think of Look, that. Look, that, that's all right. I, I, I usually recommend people using a liquid fertiliser like Flourish. It's in a purple packet. Uh, you mm-hmm. mix it up in the watering can. It's, yep. got, it's got everything in there. Water it all over the plant, water it into the soil. It should help you with that. The other thing you can do if you're worried about, uh, you know, not worried about getting too much fruit, but to try and promote some more leaf growth, is to actually pick some of that uh, flower bud off when it's flowering. Oh, right. Yeah, so, right. What, so what that does is it puts the energy, rather than into the fruit, back into the plant into right. the, and into the growth of the plant. So you just, just bud it a little bit. You know, it doesn't have to be an enormous amount, but it will help. Mm. I can assure you that will help. Mm. Yes, because it isn't actually a large pot. It's not in the ground. Oh, okay, so make sure you're fertilising, you know, every, oh, you know, three or four weeks with flourish, uh, and that'll help that plant a lot. Right, and I do put lots of banana leaves on it as well. Ah, okay. So now, now we're getting to see. I am like Sherlock, aren't I? You are. You certainly are. <laughs> He's got the micro- microscope out here. Uh, too. I've, I've been yes. called I've been called Garden Man before as well. So you know, I've got a green suit and a yellow cape that I can wear <laughs> <laughs> on the trip on the job. So what what those banana leaves are doing is it's actually called nitrogen drawdown, and for that they're sitting all there on top of there, and um, for. Those leaves to break down, they're actually drawing nitrogen out of the soil. And that's probably why your plant isn't doing as well as it could be. So I'd steer clear of doing that for the moment. Excellent. And just getting using an all-round fertiliser. Wonderful. Okay, well, that sounds like you've solved my problem. Okay, well, I'm, and I'm so glad we have Gwen. Gardening talk back on 2NURFM, and we're taking your calls. George has rung in from Western with a question for Scott Sharp. How can we help you, George? Uh, hi, Scott. Um, two quick questions. The first one, I have a buffalo lawn. Yes. And last year the crickets made a mess of it. Mm-hmm. And about a fortnight ago they started singing or whatever you call it again. <laughs> it's a, be- it's a beautiful song, isn't it? Yeah, I love yeah, it. Tuneful. Yeah, tuneful. <laughs> um, they seem to sing just as it's getting dark. Yes. And after dark they stop. That's that when must the- be tea time. Well, gonna- that's when their bellies are full. They stop then and go back to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, is there a poison or something I can spray on the lawn? Yeah, look, George, there's many different um, chemicals that you can get to uh, spray on the lawn for crickets, black beetle and army grub. And usually the chemicals you get will do all three of them. Uh, so there's bathroid, there's, uh, there's just things called um, army grub killer. 
Uh, if you go to your local garden centre, pick up one of the packets, you turn it around, and it always gives an indication on the back of what you can use it for. Okay. So, yeah, certainly do that. Uh, the thing with uh, using those chemicals, though, and this is a common problem, people always come in and say, oh, you know, it, it didn't work for us, and then you start asking them, well, when did you use it? And often they've mowed their lawn, and then in the middle of the day they decide they're going to try and treat this. Now, if it's really hot, um, like you or I, those um, crickets, they go deeper underground where it's shadier and where it's cool, so you don't get the... Um, the uh, you know the the great potential that you know to to kill them that you know because it is a, is a nasty business you're sort of involved in. So the best thing to do is to go out uh, one, on dusk or even later on at night. When uh, you can hear them. Yeah, when you can hear them when they've come yeah. back up to the surface, and that's when you want to try and clear them out of the joint. So oh well. You, yeah. Well, so when it's cooler, it. then you go out and use those chemicals at that time. Some you can spray, some you can use a watering can. Just make sure you read all the instructions properly. And uh, my tip is to go out when it's later. Yeah, well, actually, I, I got some stuff last year, and it was only for one particular type of um, caterpillar. Yes. Uh, uh, cricket, rather. Yes. But I did the wrong thing. I put it on the next morning. Oh, okay. <laughs> they were probably all deep, as you said. Yep, so do, yeah. do it late at night. It's all about learning, isn't it, which <laughs> is the right thing to do. And Liz joins us now from Ashtonfield. How can we help, Liz? Ah, uh, hi. It's actually a couple of little hints, hopefully. Ah. Um, yeah. Just That's good. Some, <laughs> um, veggie uh, seedlings like my snow peas and spinach, tomatoes, etc., etc. Yes. And every morning we'd get up and somebody would come along and locked all the top of the, the leaves off the little shoot. Yeah. Thinking snails, so we did snail bait. What I found out, it's we've got a bower bird uh, about two houses down. <laughs> yes. And he just has a salad. He comes and picks a bit of bean and a bit of spinach and a bit of the lettuce leaf uh, without promoting any particular store, what I call a $2 shop. Yep. Found a lovely big plastic owl. Ah, and we okay. put like a canopy over the top and suspended it on a, uh, like a bungee belt. Yep. And it bounces around and um, it's worked. Okay. They come, they have a look, but they're still in the yard, but they're not going near the veggie garden because uh, he's a big owl with horrible big eyes, and he is a bit scary, but it's stopped him from eating all my leaves off my plants and nipping it and breaking them down. Okay. Uh, and the second one is um, just a, a great vine I've got growing. It's a seedless crimson. Yes. Uh, the last couple of years, they sort of got there, and they've just sort of been picked away. And what I've done so far is put um, just a pair of old stockings, cut them off into tubes, put them around the top of the, the grape that's starting to develop, and it stopped the spiders and the insects and birds eating them. Okay, thanks, thanks for that, Liz. fantastic. You know, an, you know another place, Jane, where you can go and get uh, those sort of owl things, boat shops. Ah, yes, yes, because they're used on boats, aren't yeah, they, to keep they, the seagulls off? Yeah, and things yeah. are pooing on their boats. So, yeah, yeah, good things you can get at boat shops. Excellent. We've got time at least for one more quick one. Heather from Belmont with gardenia problems. How can we help you, Heather? Oh, hi. Um, I have yellow leaves on my gardenias. Okay. So, look, the first port of call, I love using that saying at the moment, don't I? <laughs> is watering with gardenias. It's been extremely hot and extremely dry. At the moment, they're putting a lot of their energy into the, the buds on there and right. the new growth. So the first thing they'll do is, is sort of suck all that energy out and that will come out of the leaves. So go and do that. The other thing to use is uh, iron shallates 
or uh, Epsom salts. Uh, Epsom salts, okay. Yeah. Usually it's iron that's being sucked out of the leaves at this point in time, right. but I always prefer to use watering as your first chance just to see what's happening. Okay, then. Okay, Try thank you. that then. Okay, Heather, and one last one. Mel from Blackalls Park. Hey, Hello. Mel, how can we help? Hello, Mel. Hi, how you going? Hello. Yes. yes, a quick question. Give it to us. Yeah, I've had a rose plant for six years, always had lovely white roses. This season it's decided I'll have four different colours on the one rose stem. What has probably happened, unfortunately, for you, Mel, is that it's shot from the rootstock in underneath. Uh, so yep. most roses are budded on to a, a more vigorous rootstock and it's probably shot from underneath. So you get uh, a different um, sort of shape rose. It's a little bit more open and the leaves will be different. So the thing to do if you can still is to try and prune. You'll, you'll find those shoots coming from the base of the rose and actually try yep. and prune those back off. And then hopefully your rose you've had for six years will take back over again. Yeah, because I've got it. I'm looking at the plant at the moment. I've got all four of them blooming at the moment, all four different colours. Yeah, so go go to the base of the plant and try and um, uh, get it back to basics. Prune yes, yes, <laughs> so, those out. Thanks for that, Mel. Now, Scott, there's a couple more things you've got for us. Yes, I was just going to have a quick talk about bonsai uh, today because on uh, November eight, nine, and ten, out at Charlestown Bolo. The uh, Bonsai Society has got their annual exhibition. They always have an amazing array of plants out there. Now, the th going and looking at bonsai, you will be truly mystified as how they do it, but it's just time. And these guys out there, experts, they'll be help able to help you in any way if you're interested in it. Bonsais are amazing things, aren't they? Oh, they are. They really are. Gardening Talkback, this is with Scott Sharp. Now, have we got, we've got, ooh, we've got another minute. Yes, we've got another minute. We were going to um, give Talk away um, all these wonderful Venus flytraps to our callers today. So you can come into the nursery and grab one of those if you've uh, called up and I've spoken to you today. And uh, look, just a couple of things about Venus flytraps. Um, they love about four hours of direct sunlight or dappled sunlight a day. Now, the thing that most people like doing, and we did it first up today, is we stuck our fingers into the trap. And that... <clears throat> it was a pencil. It was a pencil. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that isn't really good for the trap. After about three or four times of doing that, that leaf, that little trap will actually die off. So it's, it's not something you, you really want to go and do all the time. Uh, they also apparently don't like the oils in our fingers. That's why I used a pencil. Ah. Uh, so I was trying to give it at least a fighting chance. I was just scared. Yeah. So look, Venus flytraps, they, they like um, most uh, uh, carnivorous plants, they'll go dormant in winter. Um, so if they're not growing or doing anything at that time, don't be worried. Uh, just keep them nice and moist and keep them in that filtered sunlight. Thank you, Scott Sharp. That's great. They look fantastic, the Venus fly traps. We've got news coming your way on 2NURFM Gardening Talkback next week after the midday news.